Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Oh, it's nice to come back and talk after a UTEP W. Hasn't happened all that often. Just three times this season, including last night. Come from behind win uh, in Huntsville against Sam Houston State. Welcome back, everybody, to the show. Along with Adrian Broadus. Um, poor Adrian was up till midnight. Um, this was not easy. In fact, uh, it was another late night minor talk. Late night, like uh, he's like poor, like David Letterman. I mean, that's what what it comes down to. It's uh, it's pretty crazy, folks. It really is. And um, I'll tell you what, Alberto's hanging out today, getting ready to enjoy the show for the next couple of hours. Lane will be by as well at uh, Lane Frank five twenty. Lee Sterling at five, Jeff Erickson at four twenty. So, yeah, we got a full, busy show today. But let's start off with the Miners. Happy they won. I tweeted this out yesterday, or I, I posted this on X. I guess I got it. Is that what I have to say? No, Adrian, I, I just I no, posted you can this. No, you can still say tweet. I posted it on X. Um, I didn't think they were going to come back. When they were down 14 in the third quarter, I thought that was the end. And then they would officially be put out of their misery. They'd lose their seventh game of the season. They'd be out of potential any postseason chances. And they'd be mathematically eliminated, and that would be it. And then a strange thing happened. They started to score and score and score. And before you know it, a 14-point deficit became a seven-point lead. It was wild. Forget the fact they were out of timeouts with 10 minutes left to go in the game. They had the lead. It was It was surreal. And then they had the ball back with the lead. And just when I thought it was safe, they throw a pick, the game gets tied, and all of a sudden you're like, ah, here we go. But the Miners, hey, give them credit. Last night it wasn't pretty. really wasn't. But they battled back. They came from behind. They kicked a game-winning field goal thanks to Buzz Flabiano. And they ended up getting the dub, 37-34. A game they had to have. They did get it. Do I think the Miners are going to win out? Of course not. I don't even know if they're going to win any games left the rest of this season. Maybe they, maybe they win one of their final three. I, I don't know. I really don't. But, for, for, but you know what? They won last night. That's all that matters. They got the dub. And there's, you know, they, they came from behind to do it. They haven't really done that this year. I don't really count... You know, the second half surge uh, against Incarnate Word. That doesn't count. And they were, they were ahead the whole game against FIU. So this one showed me a little bit. It was good. And yet, they beat a winless team? Absolutely. And did these two teams seem pretty evenly matched all game long? Yes, they did. They sure did. But you know what? UTEP's 3-6. and six. Sam Houston State is 0-8. And, and Adrian, last night you were on for a couple of hours talking about a, uh, a UTEP road win. By the way, my favorite stat, they're 2-0 and on the road in October. On Wednesday nights, too, exactly. right? Exactly. I love exactly. that. Exactly. That's um, right. Hey, uh, that'll do it for the Wednesday night matchups. It's all Saturdays from here. That's one point to make. Uh, but I, f- I feel like right now the pulse I'm uh, getting from the minor faithful right now is that the fan base is kind of split into threes. There's one group of people who are realists, like UTEP football realists. They were disappointed a long time ago. They understand that the rest of the season is probably unsalvageable. 
and they understand yep. that uh, you know you just hang on to the positives, but understand that this this season is pretty much doomed from where it was going into this game. There's another uh, fan base, or I guess portion of the fan base that is very optimistic still. They're clinging on to dear life uh, for that inevitable seventh loss, as I probably would say it. Um, you know, some people would call this uh, certain fan base or group of fan base delusional. I wouldn't right now, but that's what the haters would. And that's the last part of the fan base right now, the haters. There were people last night, Steve, who said that they were uh, hoping that Sam Houston State won. They were rooting against UTEP. They said that this win was unimpressive. Uh, and the haters came out last night, as they usually do. So uh, it's been a big year for the haters around this UTEP football and this UTEP coaching regime. Uh, and they did still take a, they felt like they could take a victory lap last night, knowing that UTEP struggled and the win was unimpressive, according to them. Listen, they won the game. If you are a fan of a team, unless you're trying to lose to get the number one overall draft pick, how can you possibly want to see your team lose and call yourself a fan? Seriously. Don't worry. They're going to lose. You don't have to root against them. It'll happen. It's happened six times already this season. It's going to happen again. They're not winning out. I'm not Chris Russo. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to quit on the spot if the Miners win out and go to a bowl game this year at 6-6. Six and six. I'm not pulling that stunt. But what I will tell you is, you know what? If it's your team, no matter how bad the season's going, you still root for them to win. I can't Im- How could somebody actually call themselves a UTEP fan, call into a show last night and say, you were rooting for UTEP to lose? Don't worry. It's going to happen anyway. But last night was a winnable game, and they, they got the win. Good for them. That's, you know, as a fan, you want to see. I, I Listen, I am disappointed in this UTEP team. I picked a 9-3 and three record, okay? I've never been more wrong in my life about a team locally than I was about this team. And I admit that. I screwed up. I completely misjudged them. But I still want to see them win. I'm not looking to see them lose. If it's your team, you can't root for your team to lose. Unless it secures the number one overall pick if you're a professional team. And you know that this last game, if they lose, hey, they get the pick. I could understand that. But you're not getting a pick if UTEP loses. You'll probably end up getting a new head coach. You, you figure at the end of, after the season's over, if they don't go to a bowl game, assuming UTEP can afford that, which, again, is never a guarantee. But what I'm just trying to say is, hey, man, you're a UTEP fan. You got to root for your team to win. Adrian, I don't get it. How could people call themselves UTEP fans and say that they were rooting against them? Now, if you want to say it's unimpressive because they beat an 0-7 team and it went down to the wire, hey, I get that too. I really understand that because they should go out and, and win games like this against teams like this. These should be gimmies. There are no gimmies this season for UTEP. Um, what's even crazier to fathom is that other than beating an FCS team, their only two wins have come on the road. And this is a bad road football team. And they've won two road games this year. Um, that's that's a, a stat that you don't think about a lot. But let's get back to the situation at hand. If you're, if you're really a UTEP fan, how can you call into a show and say you're rooting for them to lose? 
That's disappointing, man. It's uh, it's not really a true fan right there. And you know what? I get it. This this season has uh, brought fans to that point. They are tired of mediocre football. They're tired of subpar UTEP football. They're tired of being, I guess, lied to or led uh, wrongly, uh, you know, in the wrong direction about what this team could be. I, I hear all that, and I understand that. But how could you not root for guys like Deion Hankins, who's really given a lot to this program? And you watch how he runs last night, 15 carries, 117 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. I mean, he puts his heart on the field every game, and uh, it's just cool to see a guy like that from the city of El Paso, a Parkland High School graduate, the city's all-time leader in high school rushing, uh, and he's showing up for this UTEP team, even though this team offensively is depleted right now. They went into last night's game down a couple uh, offensive linemen, haven't had Stephen Hubbard in a while. Uh, Aluma Nikelli was injured and did not play yesterday, so they're starting Otis Pitts for the first time ever. Uh, Not not really impressed with a lot of their uh, offensive line play, but in the second half, they stepped it up. Uh, also, you got to look at a guy like Praise Amele. Look at what he did yesterday. A pass block uh, late in the game that was really significant. Forced a punt uh, for Sam Houston State. Maurice Westmoreland, he had two sacks. He's now the leader in Conference USA in total sacks. So there are bright spots on a bad team right here in UTEP. Uh, I'm not necessarily jumping for joy after no. this victory victory right here no one should uh, but I will say this uh, for a team that is still seeking purpose to try to close out the year for guys who stayed on this team like Tyrese Knight who racked up 12 uh, tackles yesterday and led the minors defensively they you know these wins are purposeful to those guys you're right and it seems like there are two extremes on this UTEP situation either those that as you mentioned earlier are kind of delusional think they're still playing for a postseason spot in a bowl game and those that are just so upset they're rooting against them every week and are are mad when they win games because they want to see them lose and then there are those in the middle that I would put myself in which is I'm happy they won but I'm also a realist and I realize that most likely this team will have a tough time winning another football game this season not to say they can't for all I know they beat Western Kentucky this week at home. I mean, it's possible anything can happen, but if you're a realist, you understand that you know, this team is this team is every week is a battle and a struggle. And it and that's going to be the case that the final 3 games and they very well could go 3 and 9 or 4 and 8. Um, you know, or 5 and 7, 6 and 6, I still think is uh, there there's no chance it happens, but hey, I also didn't think that the Arizona Diamondbacks and Texas Rangers would be playing in the World Series this year either. I mean, expectations were placed and they were high on this team to go into this year. The one concern I have for anybody who is on that optimistic angle or who looks at ahead, just be practical. Look at the team right now. They're missing a lot of key guys. I mean, yesterday they lose Kobe Hilton early in the game, and that's a safety position that's been depleted this year. They're already playing with a backup in Oscar Moore opposite of of Kobe Hilton, who went down yesterday. So it was Oscar Moore, Davis Burns managing that uh, defensive backfield. Look at what Western Kentucky's good at. They're good at passing the ball. They're good at throwing the ball all over the place. They have a veteran quarterback in Austin Reed. So matchup-wise, it's a little concerning. If they're able to get after him and uh, get Praise Amele, Maurice Westmoreland, Kanias Vaughn going on the defensive front, maybe they're able to hang in that one defensively. Offensively, I feel like it's just a coin toss. Sometimes... 
you get the big plays from quarterback Cade McConnell. You get the big plays from uh, you know Deion Hankins. But at other times, the offense is stagnant. You're questioning the play calling. You're questioning the time management and all those things. So it just depends on what team is going to show up next Saturday. And I, I still like the Hilltoppers in that one, knowing that the matchup it favors them in a big way. I thought Cade gave us uh, yesterday a lot of different things. Uh, some good, some bad, and a lot in between. The good, that pass that set up the game-winning field goal was perfectly placed to Jeremy Ballard. Uh, you could not have, as a Jeremy or uh, Jeremiah, yeah. Jeremiah Ballard, you could not have put that ball in a better spot if you tried than what he did. He also threw a horrible pick up seven on a questionable play call where he was rolling out and he he just didn't put enough loft in it and it was picked off and you know it, it swung the game and, and nearly cost him so yeah and then in between you know he ran the offense well here's what's crazy that's the first Cade McConnell turnover in three games for UTEP so you know what I'll say this about Cade doesn't turn the ball over very much has it in the first three games think about that for a second three football games first true mistake you could say that, you know, some of his passes aren't as accurate as others might be, but he's not Gavin Hardison, but we told you that before, and he doesn't have Gavin's arm. He's not necessarily as quick, but there were a couple of plays where he took off and he lowered his shoulder and went right in head first into guys. He didn't try to baseball slide. He went into him and initiated contact. Good for Cade. I'm happy for him. Look, this is, again, a guy that none of us expected to play this season, but it just goes to show you, injuries mount up, next man up and for him you know he's having a chance to play three games that a lot of us thought would, would never happen and I'm happy for him and I'm super happy that Kane McConnell is two and one as a UTIP quarterback good for him he's got you know he's won two of his three games and he's won them both on the road that's not a lot of UTEP quarterbacks can say that these last few years I mean he's two and one right now three games starting uh you know I'm I'm happy for him I texted him last night he was in really good spirits uh I'll just say this the one knock can we throw can can uh we convince this coaching staff to throw out the zone read with Cade McConnell? I think it'll benefit everybody. I, I know that maybe it's sometimes it's Cade who's checking it and, and yeah. keeping it himself. That play needs to go. I it just bottom line. And I think he actually ran better yesterday than he did his he did. first two starts. But still I I just would rather them take that play completely out of their playbook. Even throw Kevin Hurley in as a change of pace quarterback if you want to do that moving and, forward. And can we stop the tush push on third and two? Oh. Man. When you're not even close to a first down, and you do that, and you and you're a yard short on, and then it's fourth down. I'm like, what are you doing? You're two yards shy. Why are we doing the tush push when we're when we're that far out of a first down, and you have Dion Hankins in the backfield? How about the uh, third down timeout? The play is not getting in at t- on time. The third down late substitution. You got to call a timeout. The fourth down, you don't know the play. You got to call a timeout. Or how about that one? They're first and goal right after the James Neal interception. All, everybody knows what play is going to be called. It's the tush push. It's the Kevin Hurley tush push. But they can't get the playoff, and they have to burn their final timeout. They might have not. Going back to your point about McConnell's uh, touchdown or the pass that uh, set up the game-winning field goal yeah that pass would have never happened uh you know thanks to zero timeouts on the board there was just a minute and change on the clock that call that uh play was unprecedented i thought it was for sure going to overtime i did too and despite everything utep won the football game and that's the takeaway right right it was ugly lots of mistakes good and bad but the bottom line utep gets a dub so happy for them for that 
All right. Up next, we're going to do a little fantasy talk with uh, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. Your thoughts as well. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter or X, 600 ESPN El Paso, 505-6009. Let's kick it off right here. We've got a couple of hours before Thursday night football, so we'll swing it out right now to Charlie One and get this traffic update. From rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for all fantasy sports. Jeff talks it all. Baseball, football, basketball, anything in between. He hosts podcasts. He gets up early, stays up late to make sure rotowire.com is running uh, the way it needs to be. And uh, he normally joins us on Wednesdays, but sorry, Jeff, for this Wednesday uh, CUSA football action has kind of thrown our whole Wednesday lineup for a loop here in October. Well, it seems to be working for you, Tip. Uh, happy to see the W yesterday. So uh, uh, with a very uh, dramatic finish, so good on the Miners. Did you watch any of the uh, Wednesday night football action on ESPN2, or were you watching NBA? I was watching a little bit more NBA, but I caught I, I, I commercials. I flipped back and forth. I did see how, like you know, the final play is a sack fumble, and the offensive lineman just jumps on top of it instead of tries to run it with the time running out. So that was interesting. Uh, sure, the whole game was interesting, to be honest with you. But yeah, hey, true. W is a W. That's all that matters. And uh, in the fantasy sports world, uh, a lot is going on right now. As uh, you know, last week was a was an awful week as far as buys go. I felt like there were so many buys in the NFL that a lot of teams struggled. And what's even worse is if you're in a guillotine league and you know you had a bunch of guys that were on uh, week seven buys, it made things almost impossible. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know which. You know, you might have you know gotten knocked out, and then you see all your bye week guys come back, like Bengals and Cowboys and things of that. You know, those, those players, yeah, it'd be rough. Now, fortunately, some of the teams that were on bye, like the Titans, well, okay, fine, you know, Titans, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's still Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins. It's still Brees Hall on the Jets uh, and Garrett, uh, Garrett Wilson. So even even like the lesser offenses still have some players that could help. So yeah, uh, if you got by last week, though, it's a pretty good week to go shopping. That's for sure. For Adrian, it is. I don't know if you heard about this, but Adrian's still alive in our guillotine league, which I am too. And Adrian decided to break the bank on his fab budget and uh, spent uh, basically almost all of it on Christian McCaffrey because he's smelling title in the uh, when this thing's all said and done. Well, can you pick up $0 players or players after the bidding? So, uh, Jeff, I strategically kept $50. So, like, 50 is going to be my stash. And I threw all of it. I threw the kitchen sink at Christian McCaffrey and spent good money on Jalen Waddle this week. I already have uh, Jefferson uh, uh, shelved on my team, even though his injury is kind of, you know, volatile right now. But I just kind of believe right now, if you're in the middle of the season in guillotine, you just got to go for it one week when you see – uh, top player in fantasy available. Do you like the strategy, or would would you have been a little bit more conservative? Oh heck yeah, I, I, I'd spend as much as it takes to get McCaffrey. Yeah, <laughs> you can't find a better fab pickup. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, um, if you have holes, you can still go cheap on the filling out the rest of the slots. But yeah, I mean, you get a chance to get the best player in fantasy, you, you get him. That's Period. Good, yep, that's a good point. Especially if you don't and you get knocked out that following week, you'll have to think about that till uh, next season rolls around. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that, that's absolutely right. And yeah, unfortunately, in two weeks you'll have a buy. But I mean. Yeah, you get McCaffrey, you go for it, yeah, period. I understand. Uh, by the way, I am looking at uh, your value meter for this week and, and trying to see if, in fact, uh, we have any 
big surprises uh, with really no, uh, you know, t- no bye weeks this week. It's kind of weird, isn't it? That why would you just suddenly randomly have every team playing in like this week after a few weeks where we've had buys, and yet have some people take bu- some teams take buys as early as week five in an yeah. eighteen week season? It's it, it is odd uh, to say the least. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe it's a function of some of the like overseas games where teams are opting to wait to take their buy until they come back, or other teams not taking their buy after London. Looking at you, Jacksonville, for instance. There, uh, maybe that has something to do with it. It could. It really could. Uh, meanwhile, I am looking at your value meter, and I noticed that uh, despite missing the first four weeks of the season, Alvin Kamara is uh, suddenly a, a top-five running back this week with that great matchup at Indianapolis. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at the usage. If you're in a PPR league, you're getting like 10 targets a game. Um, hard, hard not to uh, put them up that high, especially when you got question marks with some of the other top backs. Like, we don't know if Eckler is going to be back to full capacity. Uh, I don't know what to do with Aaron Jones anymore. I mean, there, there's a few players like that there where I'm just like, uh, throwing up my hands, but... I mean, Kamara's doing it every week. We don't know what to do with Aaron Jones. Nobody does. It's weird. I mean, he declared himself 100% and he gets 11 touches last week in that loss, which really makes you wonder, is he hurt more than he's letting on or does Matt LaFleur just not want to use him? Well, and then he missed his practice Wednesday and was limited today, so I think it's uh, hurt more than uh, being let on. And Maybe they're easing him back in. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but... I think it's pretty clear he's not 100%. What's the story on Kenneth Walker? Because I know uh, he was held out yesterday with a calf injury. Was he back at practice today? I'm still waiting to find out about that one there. Sometimes the Seattle uh, reports come in a little bit later. But I am moving him down a little bit, also because of the matchup, too. This is a bad matchup for him against Cleveland. Okay. Um, I'm wondering if Jonathan Taylor is going to start to see more carries because uh, despite you know him getting closer to 100%, it seems like we still have a, a pretty uh, good timeshare right now at Indy with, with, uh, with him and Zach Moss. Yeah, we do. Uh, I think it, he'll start to, to get more and more work. Uh, keep in mind, Zach Moss is banged up this week. Has, a, I think, an ankle and a elbow issue or elbow and a heel issue, something of that nature there. There's two different injuries for Moss um, that he's being limited so far in practice this week. And he was a little less productive than Taylor in a similar amount of snaps last week. So maybe we'll start to see, uh, see that pendulum swing, swing a little bit more towards Taylor. After all, he's the guy they invested in, too, and they're kind of working his way back. What's happened with Josh Jacobs this year in Vegas? Uh, where do we start? I mean, that offense is just a disaster. The offensive line's really bad. I think Jacobs isn't quite as explosive as before. Uh, and now you, you look at last week against the Bears, I mean, a really bad quarterback situation, too. I mean, he's probably seeing some you know, as many stacked boxes as you can possibly have. Um, I think all those things are conspiring to depress his value. Jeff, do we see more uh, consistent play from Jamar Chase and him just emerge to the you know number one or number two wide receiver that we all expect him to be after that bye week and now facing uh, San Francisco this week? I mean, I don't love the matchup against the Niners, especially if Orlando Brown can't play for the Bengals to protect Burrow's backside. But, um, yeah, I mean, Chase is truly always open. Uh, we saw that a little bit there. Uh, if Burrow has enough time to get it to him, he can do a lot of damage. So uh, I don't know about top two, but uh, top five, top ten for sure. Um, he, he's going to regain that first-round value. 
If you have questions for Jeff, this is the time to send it to us. Uh, 600 ESPN El Paso on social, or you can always uh, give us a ring at 505-6009. Neff Poppy, I'll get your question for Jeff in a moment. But first, let's get back to Adrian and this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. We're back with Jeff uh, Erickson right now from rotowire.com. We'll talk about uh, what the website has cooking for you with the NBA now in full swing, not to mention uh, the World Series matchup starting on Friday, plus uh, the NFL and college football as well. Victor Neff at Neff Poppy has this one for you. Here we go, Jeff. You're going to need a pencil and paper to write this one down, but we'll give Uh it a shot. Yep. Gabe Davis, Jacoby Myers, Zay Flowers, Rashid Shaheed, Josh Downs. Best for wide receiver slot. Then next best for flex to maybe replace Josh Jacobs. Let me give you the five again. Gabe Davis, Jacoby Myers, Zay Flowers, Rashid Shaheed, Josh Downs. So I'd go Flowers first uh, in that group. Um, And then I'd probably go Myers second, Downs third. Would you use Myers for a flex to replace Josh Jacobs? No, I would not. I would still use Josh Jacobs. I, I, I get the frustration. I, you know, we talked about it last segment. Um, still can't bring myself to, to bench the high usage guy. I, I still go Jacobs here. Okay. Beast Mo sends this one in to us. Hey, Steve, can you ask Jeff? If he thinks that something fishy was going on between Atlanta and Bijan Robinson's absence <laughs> or his one carry in the game last week, do you think Atlanta was in the wrong for holding out that information before the game? Yeah, absolutely. I think he, they were wrong for not disclosing everything, any, anything at all. Yeah. Um, it, it may have just cropped up in morning warm-ups, as they said. Even still, they had a duty to report, I feel like. Um, yeah, it is fishy. Maybe he ate some bad fishy. I mean, that's maybe that's what he, and he had gastro issues. Who knows? Uh, I'm still starting him if I have him this week. But, yeah, I'm incredibly frustrated. I'm incredibly frustrated with Arthur Smith's dismissiveness of people asking him why this happened and why you gave him one carry if you really – and at the end of the game, when the game was still tied, by the way. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't understand that at all. I know that if you're an Algier owner like I am, you weren't upset about it because he benefited from that. But we've seen mm-hmm. how good Bijan Robinson is this year, which, again, makes you wonder exactly what's going on there in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, the latest thing to make me wonder what's going on there in Atlanta. You know, it's just, they're a frustrating team, to be sure. Um, I, I think, too, I mean, even if you're an Algier owner, you, you might not have started him because you're like, oh, he's splitting carries. You know, I don't know if I can start him. You know, it's a bye week, but, I, you know, I, I get it. But there's still plenty of leagues where it's a 50-50 call with Algier and someone else, and you didn't go with Algier because you thought, well, he's getting 10 touches, not enough. We talked about Jonathan Taylor and how he continues to move up your value meter for running backs. Who are some other backs that, like a Kareem Hunt, for example, starting to get more usage, getting bigger opportunities, scored a touchdown last week, that uh, you know you think will continue to move up your value meter here in, in weeks coming up? Sure, he's one, uh, definitely for sure. Um, I, I, look at what happens in Carolina. I mean, Miles Sanders is going to come back, but they've already said it's going to be more of a committee now, so Chuba Hubbard 
is pretty much an even footing with Miles Sanders now. So that's another one. Jalen Warren's another guy I'm watching. I don't think Najee Harris is necessarily playing poorly or anything. I, I, I think he's actually, by, by, all, by most advanced metrics, he's actually playing pretty well. It's just that Pittsburgh's offensive line isn't very good. Um, th- those are a handful. Uh, and I, I, I'm wondering what happens with Jameer Gibbs this week against uh, Vegas. I think he's going to go off this week. Jeff, among uh, tight ends that you could maybe get in the waiver wire, uh, you look at guys like Luke Musgrave. Uh, it seems like Ferguson from Dallas is available in a lot of leagues, and Dalton Kincaid, who is going to step in today for the Bills at the tight end spot. Who do you like among some of the waiver wire pickups at the tight end spot? So Kincaid for sure, if he's available, and he's not available in every league, but I did see him out there in a couple of my leagues in, in the Fab Run. So definitely Dalton Kincaid. Followed up uh, by, I would look out in uh, Arizona, Trey McBride, someone who's going to get a lot more work with Zach Ertz on IR. Good list. Good list. By the way, um, the hardest part for tight ends is, like, if you, so listen to this. Mark Andrews, Dalton Kincaid, and Cole Komet are all by week 13. You imagine? All in the same bye week. I own two of the three. And I wanted to pick up the third, and I realized on the waiver wire, I can't do that. He's the same bye week as everybody else. Week 13 is like the unlucky bye week for tight ends in this league. If you're picking up Kincaid, you could certainly drop Komet to do it. True, um, true. But, I, I, but you're still dealing with the same – but, but, then, but then you're dealing with the same bye week for all three. Yeah, but you deal with that when you deal with it, you yeah. know. Um, it, Kincaid is available now. You grab him. Got it. You, you, and then – you, you'll cry. You know, other injuries are going to happen. Other changes in value are going to happen. So, you know, if you've got a clearly talented guy, and I think Kincaid is that, I think you got to be aggressive. I mean, you don't want to miss out on the next Kincaid, the next Laporta. When they're there, you get them, and then you figure out the logistics later if it's not going to affect you that particular week. Who are some of your other uh, favorite plays heading into this week in the NFL? Um, I, I like if in a super flex league, this is where you start two quarterbacks. I like Kenny Pickett this week against Jacksonville. Jacksonville's allowed the second most passing yards uh, in the NFL so far per, on a per game basis. Maybe not on a per attempt basis, but still, they're giving up a lot of yards. I think Pickett to Pickens will uh, be a fruitful combination again. Ah, and by the way, George Pickens, clearly somebody you would start in a big, big way if you had him. Yeah, absolutely. He's 13th on my list this week. All right, that sounds good. Is there anybody you would avoid? Uh, Aaron Jones would probably be on that list. Uh, anyone else you can mention that you know people are thinking about starting? They're kind of on the fence, and you would say, "Man, stay away." You know, maybe Matthew Stafford uh, is maybe someone that's on, on like that uh, that that fringe of a startable quarterback in a in a. 12-team league. I don't like the matchup at all against Dallas. I think the Rams have a hard time doing pass protect, and Dallas coming off off the bye week, I think they're going to really kind of roast the uh, Rams offensive line. Uh, Jeff, with Lamar Jackson specifically, what a great game last week against the Lions. Do you think this is uh, the kind of uh, a little bit of a tear that's to come for Lamar? Do you think that could be ahead of him, knowing that they've got Arizona on the radar? Or would you be worried that this could be like a, a little bit of a trap game here for the Ravens? I mean, it's possible it's a trap game, and he could still be great. I mean, Lamar's played great all year long. I mean, one of the games where he had poor stats, it was, it was a drop fest among his receivers, that Pittsburgh game. He played great in that game. Uh, it's just that his receivers completely let him down in that one. There were two drop touchdown passes, a couple, lot of other dropped passes. I, you know, he had one horrible interception. That's on him. But 
for the most part, he's been great all year long. So uh, I'm starting him with confidence. Let's talk about the website right now, rotowire.com. You've got uh, your usual dose of tons of fantasy football information. I was looking at uh, baseball, by the way. I saw the three-up, three-down column. I haven't checked that yet. And the daily fantasy for the uh, World Series, which we'll talk about in a minute. And basketball. You've got start-sit decisions each week. You've got bold fantasy basketball predictions. You've got when to drop underperforming sleepers. I like it. A lot of good fantasy hoops going on right now on the website. Yeah, I got to be a better customer of my own, of our own content when it comes to basketball because um, I, I I just dabble in hoops. I, I play in one league. I don't produce any of our basketball content, uh, but it's great. I mean, I, it helps me do well in my one league. I, our hockey content helps me do in my one league. There, uh, I, I trust our guys. I think guys and gals, we have a, a great crew out there. People should check it out. Rotowire.com/slash/free. Get that free peek behind the paywall. A uh, couple days free, no credit card required. If you like it, off you go. Beast Mo trying to duck one in on X at 600 ESPN El Paso. Here we go. Dallas defense versus the Rams or Baltimore defense versus Arizona? Man, first world problem. Um, I'll go Baltimore this week, but, man, I, I like them both a lot. Uh, but, yeah, I I got to double-check my rankings there, to be honest, uh, because I like them so much. Uh, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm – Advising what I'm actually listing. Uh, actually, yeah, I go Baltimore 3 and Dallas 6. I love them both. Okay. Um, as far as the World Series starting tomorrow, thoughts on that, and who do you think will come out on top? I might be in Arizona next week, Steve, so I'm going to see if I can angle to get to the game, get a ticket for Game 5 on Wednesday night if it happens. But um, I, I kind of like the Rangers, but you know, I think the whole world's been aggressively wrong about this uh, playoff, so uh, we'll see. I'm just... Happy to see two relatively new teams. A lot of fun players to like there in both. Good. Well, I'm happy that's working out for you. Go use that uh, those connections of yours, Jeff. Go get a ticket to Game 5, and then we'll talk about it next week. How's that? Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Steve. I will right, we'll talk to you then. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com. Come back with more. Wrapping up hour number one of Sports Talk. Busy 5 o'clock hour as we get you ready for Thursday night football. Coming up, 600 ESPN El Paso. 600 ESPN El Paso, World Series or Sunday and Monday night football? Is this is this just, well, first off, there is no Sunday night football because, I, I mean, the World Series doesn't play on Sunday. So right. it would be Monday night football, right? Correct. Uh, well, cause, because game one is Friday, game two is Saturday. That's right. Sunday is the travel day. And then game three would be Monday. Monday first game at Globe Life, Steve. I know. Shouldn't even be a question. I mean, yeah, this one, I I know I know some of our Lions and Raiders fans might be a little bummed, but, man, I think they can uh, take a break from Monday Night Football at least from one night. It's, uh, it's going to be Lions-Raiders Monday night? I believe so. That's right. That's what I'm looking at right here. To me, if we had a choice for those two, I don't really think there's a choice. I think, uh, as my and, and no disrespect to Raiders fans and Lions fans, but I would think World Series Game Three would would definitely trump the uh, the, the NFL game. But I might be wrong because remember we're going to air uh, Game Two on Saturday at six oh three. We'll have that. 
I would definitely think game three on Monday we should we should run. That's first game from Phoenix, actually. Oh, okay. That'll be first game from Chase Field in Phoenix. Man, but you figure it's the Rangers in the World Series. Uh, this city has uh, a lot of interest in that in the first place. Uh, it's a Texas team uh, in the World Series. We got to do it. Let's take a, I am so – aren't you interested, though, to get a vote, a poll from, from yes. our listeners? I really am. I think it's going to be a landslide. I, I agree. So do it. So go, we're going to go for Monday night. We'll let our listeners decide um, and keep the poll question up for a little while because I really want to get votes in. I'm so interested, Raiders-Lions or Game 3 World Series? First game in Arizona, Rangers-Diamondbacks. You'll have a chance to vote at 600 ES Piano Pass. So I think it's going to be a landslide, too. I would be shocked if less than 80% vote... Um, you know, the World Series. I think it'll be 80% or more. Every Four out of every five people will take Rangers-Diamondbacks over um, Lions and Raiders. But I might be wrong. I agree. I, I, I would be shocked, Steve. This will show truly how, um, you know, what this series means to people here in El Paso because of the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. So, you know, it's a, it's a great question. It really is. There's a lot of Ranger fans in El Paso, by the way. I've started to see them come out uh, for the uh, playoff run and now the World Series. And I feel like there's always been a lot of Ranger fans. They just haven't. This this time of year is not good for them because they don't normally get an opportunity to enjoy their team into October. That's right. I mean, you think of just mediocre play they've had for a while and just uh, how much that they, they've struggled, even just the past two years, oh, yeah. and how uh, they were pretty much not even a, a thought when it came to postseason baseball. But now, uh, what a great run they've had, and they've done it without some of the guys that you'd expect them to have during this time. Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, they've got, they have so much stepping up in their pitching game right now. But right. the one thing, Steve... I don't want to see any Josh Hamilton jerseys. I need to see some some new jerseys here yes. for 2023. I don't want to see any Josh Hamilton or you know 2015 Rangers jerseys and things like that. Give us some Adolis Garcia jerseys. Yes, I want to I see some you. Garcia's jerseys out there. Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, folks, Paco Wong's Chinese Restaurant will go on sale with our latest dining deals. $50 gift certificate to Paco Wong's for just $25. Located at 7111 North Mesa Street. Hey, if you love Cantonese and Chinese food, over 42 years in El Paso, we're talking about entrees like fried rice, almond duck, chop suey, pork a la sea toy, kung pao chicken, beef and broccoli, some great seafood dishes, and more. In fact, if you love chopsticks at the mall for years, hey, same great menu, and you can enjoy it at Paco Wong's here on the west side of town. $50 for just $25. Goes on sale 10 o'clock tomorrow. To take advantage, go to the must-read bar, click dining deals, and then you can enjoy Paco Wong's with 600 ESPN El Paso. Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Welcome back. Hour number two is underway. Lane Frank, speaking of schoolyard sports, is going to join us here in a little bit. Alberto's hanging out with us as well, along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Coming your way, 600 ESPN El Paso. Let's welcome back Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Lee has been rolling all season long, 60, 38, and 2 for the season in football. So he continues to rack it up. And by the way, before we get to our picks, 
I love what you're doing today and tomorrow on the website. I love the fact that you are spanning the sports world, and it doesn't matter whatever sports you want to play because you're covering all seven, uh, four sports. You've got seven selections a day, and you've priced it to a level that anybody can afford. Yeah, I did that. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if the rest of my staff is too happy with me because they'll be working for about another two hours every night. But, um, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that would love to give it a shot. And one of the reasons people don't is is obviously money. Everything is going up in price. But I decided to take a way down. Usually we'll have like a one-day all-access pass for $77, $97. This is the one two-week period of the year where all four sports are going on. Football, baseball World Series starts tomorrow. And basketball started Tuesday night and hockey. So I got seven selections combined, all four sports, not 77, not 97, 17 bucks. How do you touch that? You can't. 17 bucks? I mean, you know, that's, (laughs) that's, that's, to me, that's as good as it gets. All they need to do is go to ParamountSports.com, right? Yep. That's it. All right. Beautiful. There you go, seven for that's seventeen, simple. folks. That is a uh, that that's my that's my new favorite uh, Lee Sterling special. Uh, that is <laughs> October. Well, if you can get October for seventeen bucks, lock it in. That's all I can tell you. All right, let's get right to the games. We'll start it off first. Oh, by the way, before we get to the games, we didn't get a chance to talk about your daughter and the national anthem at the Bears game. Tell me what that experience was like. Incredible. So you know she's. Just looking to have fun. Uh, she does get paid for it, but uh, to be in front of 65,000 people, I couldn't do it. And I don't think many people could without a hitch, but she, uh, they want to see it. Just go to YouTube and type in Brooke Sterling National Anthem, and you'll see her standing there in a Chicago Bears Walter Payton jersey. She just nailed it, and it was a perfect day. It was 55 degrees. Not this saying this because I'm her dad, but 55 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. It was one of those magical days. They're starting a rookie quarterback who is playing Shepherd College. I'd never even heard of Shepherd College. Did you? No, I still don't know where Shepherd College is. It's in West Virginia. Never heard of the college, and I've heard of a lot of schools. And they uh, they pull off the upset, and she must have done a really good job because she got a call from someone real high up with the Bears, that they want her back this year Hmm. for another game. And, quote, unquote, he said they want her to be their girl for the big games. So so she could be doing a couple games a year now for them. And then she also heard from two other NFL teams. So (laughs) one was the Raiders who was there playing them, their director of entertainment, and then another NFL team. So... I don't know how she did it, and just real proud of her. And uh, who, who, if you don't like sports, and let's say you're a dad, who doesn't want to go away for the weekend and watch an NFL game and be wind, you know, totally wind and dying the whole way? Is there any chance you're going to cash in your chips soon and just become Brooks' agent and uh, be her booking agent for the rest of your life? So she, I was until she got a manager and agent and a commercial agent so okay. i used to do that so we actually filmed the first time that it was funny there was a little girl that belted it out was great for the miami heat one time and i said to brooke how would you like to do it she's like sure 
So the next year I sent in, I sent an email to them. I said, oh, uh, my daughter would love to sing the national anthem. So they sent back, send us the tape. So I looked at her. <laughs> we don't know what to do. And we didn't even have a green screen. Just filmed it against the wall. And they picked her. And so when we got there, I said, you know, how many people tried out? And he said, oh, about, about 375 people. I'm like, wow, for, you know, 44 spots. It wasn't like a high-profile game. might have been like the Washington Wizards or someone, something like that. But she got on. And then it got real competitive when they uh, – when the big three showed up, when uh, LeBron was there, when she, I mean, not LeBron, Wade was there when she first started doing it, but when LeBron and, and Bosch came aboard, they said they were getting like 1,200, 1,300 entries, and she was able to keep doing it. And then uh, people would start calling her for different events, and and then finally uh, the big one was last, uh, last, I think, 31st, December 31st or 1st, when she did the Orange Bowl football game. So, yeah. Um, you know, there's the wedding singer. Maybe she's the national anthem singer. I love it. I think that's yeah. great. Um, yeah. Ohio State, Wisconsin will kick us yeah. off this week. Uh, it is okay. a undefeated Ohio State. They're se- they're a seven and zero, third in the country. Wisconsin's five and two, three and one in the Big yeah. Ten. It's in Madison. Ohio State fourteen and a half points. We'll start it with that. So incredible defensive effort from Ohio State. I mean, I, I can't. I can say it five times. They were that good. To not allow a team to get a first down, uh, not a first down, third down conversion. First for 15 times in the games, they denied them from getting a third down conversion, which is insane. Penn State is no slouch. Uh, they only scored a TD Penn State with 30 seconds to go in garbage time. I'm still concerned, though, with Ohio State's running game. They only ran for 2.6 yards per carry. Game last week, that's 99th overall where they sit right now in the country as far as rushing. Luke Fickle, former Ohio State player, former Ohio State head coach, will have his Badgers ready for this game. Problem with, I don't think they can win the game because such poor quarterback play and the run defense the last three games against Big Ten opponents, they've allowed between 194 and 223 yards. It's not good enough. I think Ohio State wins 24-17, but Wisconsin covers. Number 6, Oklahoma, will be visiting uh, David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium in Lawrence to take on the Jayhawks. Sooners are undefeated, 7-0, 6th in the country. Kansas, 5-2, 2-2 in the Big 12. Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel, 9-point favorites on the road. OU has won 18 straight against the Jayhawks. Last Jayhawks win was 1997. All 18 wins, which is crazy, have come by double digits. OU has covered six straight here uh, this year until last week's non-cover against Central Florida. They were coming off the bye. I guess they were a little sluggish. Uh, still outgained UCF, but uh, they lost the turnover battle first time this year. Still for the year, they're plus 10 in turnover ratio. It'll win you a lot of games. If Kansas had Jalen Daniels starting here, I might give him a look. But he's not going to play. Backup Jason Bean is, I don't know, he's capable, but certainly not dynamic enough and able to carry a team, in my opinion. And the defense has tons of holes and weaknesses. OU put up 701 yards last year on them. Kansas is just not good here as a dog. 10-21 and 21 against the spread and 2-13 and 13 against the spread off a of bye. Make it 19 straight for OU, this time with an exclamation point. OU 42-24.
Lee Sterling joining us from ParamountSports.com. A little trivia. Last time Kansas yep. won that game against Oklahoma, I was in my first year hosting this show. So there mm. you go. That's how long wow. it's been that I've been on the air doing this. Up it next. It did knock you off that win, huh? What's that? <laughs> That's exactly right. You're um, shocked. You're- you hit, the, you hit the cords and pulled them out, right? It's ridiculous. You're right. That's exactly. That's what happened. Um, hey, let's go to BYU-Texas next. Yep. Uh, Texas is 6-1, and 3-1 and one in the Big 12. They're 7th in the country. BYU is 5-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in the Big 12. Um, this game is at DKR. The Longhorns, 19-point favorites. You tell me. I've looked at BYU. I know they beat Texas Tech, uh, but they haven't beaten any ranked opponents. Is 19 too much, or do you feel like the Longhorns can cover? So the public, I believe, will play BYU. Why do I say that? Because they beat Texas Tech last week by two touchdowns, and Texas lost their quarterback. Those two things. But... I think that Texas Tech had, if you look deep inside of the game, Texas Tech was playing the third-string quarterback. Third-string quarterback for Texas Tech is like the fifth or sixth stringer at Texas. They just could not do anything. BYU was plus five in turnover ratio. Texas, if they're smart, Steve Sarkeesian is smart. He runs the ball like 50, 55 times, throws it 10 to 12 times. He can just run all over BYU much more you just talented, and I just think that they just have too many weapons, Texas, here. As long as Steve Sarkeesian doesn't blow this one, should be an easy win. Texas 34-10. All right, let's move yep. now to the NFL. We've got two games to talk about. This will be a good one. Uh, it's one of the early games. Jacksonville is at Pittsburgh. Uh, both teams, just two losses this season. The Jags yep. are 5-2. and two. The Steelers are 4-2. and two. It's in Pittsburgh, yet how often do you find the Steelers home, po- home dogs to Jacksonville? Uh, two and a half points separates the two, Lee. Well, the reason is Jacksonville is just a better team. I mean, Steelers need turnovers and or touchdowns from their defense, I think, to win the game. And I don't know if they're going to do it. People don't realize this. They think of Pittsburgh as the better defense. Might be Jacksonville. 16 takeaways. They lead the NFL. 16 takeaways, seven games. And how about the receivers? Number three in yards after catch behind Miami and Kansas City. Pittsburgh is not. I mean, they, the reason they acquired at cornerback was they were having some problems there. They were getting lit up. Jacksonville, even on the short week, you know, they beat New Orleans last week, interdivision win there, fourth straight win. They won 12 of 15 games here, <laughs> dating back to last year. Only losses were two, two of them, Kansas City and Houston. So I like Jacksonville, 28-20. All right, the final game then will be Dallas and the Rams. It's going to be uh, at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Cowboys are 4-2, and two, perfect at home at 2-0. and oh. Rams are 3-4, and 2-1 on the road. Dallas minus 6 coming off uh, the bye week. So if the Rams had their running back still before he got hurt, um, I might take a look at him here. But they have just without Henderson, they haven't been the same here. They, their running attack is spotty at best. What happens also is they run a lot out of a one running back, one tight end set. And they used to, before the injury, they used to run the ball 60% of the time. Now they're passing 60% of the time. You're not going to win many ball games that way. So Dallas, I think, has found themselves. I think their offensive line 
should be able to dominate, should be able to run the ball pretty consistently. And I think their pass rush is going to do a number here on the Rams' offensive line. Win a lot of games up front. Look for Michael Parsons. Have a couple sacks. I like Dallas, 31-17. Videos all over the place at ParamountSports.com. Lee is profiling all the big games. Some of the games you heard, he goes into more detail. Some you haven't heard. you got to check it out, ParamountSports.com. Not to mention, you've got a free pick tonight for the Thursday night game of the week and uh, the specials we've talked about, including not just uh, this week alone, but you still have some uh, some great specials uh, throughout the rest of the year. Yep, Uh Buffalo and Tampa Bay tonight is on me. Normally we don't give away the Thursday night game, but you want to get it for free. I've got a real strong opinion. First five callers get it, 800-400-9741. First five callers, I'm going to give them Buffalo and Tampa Bay tonight on me. Nice freebie to get yourself started, make some money, build the bankroll. Just call that number, 800-400-9741. And you want to jump on board, uh, we've got the season, lower debt to 697 uh, you want to try a full week through Tuesday night, 97, but one night. You want to give one night a problem shot here. All four sports, seven plays, $17. You heard me correct. Just $17. All sport, four sports, football, basketball, baseball, and hockey. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Appreciate it, Lee. We'll talk to you again right back here next week. Sounds good. Take care. Lee Sterling, folks, as we continue. Up next, Lane Frank, our weekly conversation will come up right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update for us. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. So as promised, uh, back with us for another big week, Lane Frank, the host of Schoolyard Sports Podcast. Uh, Let me think. What are you, 158, 59? Where are we right now? Are we 160? Where are we? Oh, 142, Steve. We're at 142. We're at 142? We're at 142. So we were in the 30s the last time I spoke. I thought we were in the 50s. So one, now we're in the 40s. Right. All right. So it's, 30s, it's 40s. 142. Out right now. All podcast platforms and Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube for the video. You know what feels like it was just yesterday that we were at 100 because I joined you on 101. Seems like yesterday when I was at 1. Yes, it does seem like it was yesterday. Man. 142. Congratulations. Let's talk about what you've discussed this week on the uh, on the podcast. What uh, what for Schoolyard Sports? What is the uh, items of discussion? I'm giving you my NBA predictions for the season, discussing some things in the NFL, MLB, World Series, and college football. Go tune in and go watch it. All right, so let's go ahead and um, let me ask you about uh, specifically. Let me ask you sp- about the World Series. Let's start with that, okay? Are you surprised, like we all are, that the World Series consists of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers? Okay, so I'm going to get the floor here for a second to just rant on something. Or not rant on something, but give my whole point on something. My pre-playoff prediction to win the whole World Series was the Texas Rangers. And that's a great pick right now because obviously they're in the World Series. Now for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I thought there was no chance they could beat the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. And a few years ago, without the six-man playoff format, neither of these teams are in the playoff. What I find interesting is we haven't really seen many Game 3s in this expanded playoff series, the wildcard series. So people like to say, why even have it? This is why you have it. So you can get teams like the Rangers and the Diamondbacks in the World Series where they are the two best teams this postseason. It just goes to show you something, okay? Because I really thought we would get Dodgers and Braves in the NLCS. We didn't get either. And the truth is... Uh, sometimes when you don't play in the first round and you have a bye, 
you're at a disadvantage, especially in a five-game series. Because if you start out slow and you lose the first game or two, you have a really hard time trying to climb back into it. And it's not best of seven in the uh, divisional series. It's best of five. So it almost feels to me like the buys can hurt you more than help you because you can't afford to lose really either of your two home games as opposed to getting beat both times and then having your backs against the wall. Now, for the Braves, I agree with that. For the Dodgers, I don't because the Dodgers didn't have pitch. Game one, you're going with Clayton Kershaw. Great, Clayton Kershaw, amazing pitcher. Horrible in the playoffs. You don't have another guy to go with. No Julio Urias, no Trevor Bauer, who could have been ace of this team if he didn't have that whole situation two seasons ago. Next game, you're starting rookie Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller was not this all-flash type of rookie. He was a good rookie, wasn't all-flash. He starts game two. Game three, you're going with senior citizen Lance Lynn on the mound after he had a terrible season in Chicago. Move him over to L.A., has a few good starts, and he's starting the playoffs you now. That's your playoff rotation. A guy who has a horrible playoff ERA of 10, I think, Clayton Kershaw, or even maybe even worse than that. Number two is Bobby Miller, a rookie. And number three, you're starting the old guy, Lance Lynn. I don't get it. And then for the hitting side of things, that's where the bye comes into play. Freddie Freeman goes cold after an amazing season. Mookie Betts goes cold after an amazing season. Missing a guy like Cody Bellinger, who could have been on this team if they extended him. For the Braves, Raleigh Cunha Jr. goes cold. Spencer Strider goes cold. Matt Olson goes cold. But for the Astros, they were able to keep up with it. Why can't these other teams? Okay, listen. As far as the Dodgers go, they won 100 games with that suspect pitching that you just talked about. How did they win 100 games and yet fall that flat when they had the opportunity to play in the postseason? Because it's not make or break baseball. When you're the Diamondbacks, you're looking at it, you're saying, let's think about it. Game one, we're going up against Clinton Kershaw, all-time legend. Let's beat him up in the playoffs. Game two, we're going up against that rookie, that rookie Bobby Miller. Let's destroy him. Game three, the old man, Lance Lynn, at our place. That's a win for us. But Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, and Brandon Fat does not scare you. It Zach Gallen is an ace. Merrill Kelly started the World's or not the World Series, the WBC Championship for Team USA. And then Brand P Fat was great in Triple A. I mean, I get it, but I also but I also look He's at that so and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what, the matchup is closer than you realize. I think the buy hurts. I do. I think that when you're having a great season and you have to wait out three or four days or five days before you play again, it's not always beneficial. I see it in the NFL when a team will lose home field after the wild card round, and you see it in sports all the time. Sometimes you don't want to play in a bye. You want to keep playing because that way, even though you might be a little gassed, hey, you have a chance to catch fire. And think about it. Diamondbacks played the whole way through. Same thing for the Rangers. There's something to be said about that. I think when you're running with the momentum of Cattell Marte, Corbin Carroll, the pitching in that Brewer series, and then you move over to the AL side, thanks to the Rangers, get a great series win over one of the best teams in the MLB, Tampa Bay Rays, beat the number one seed, Baltimore Orioles, and then you go up 2-0 at Houston. Sky's the limit. I agree. Uh, meanwhile, biggest disappointment in the postseason for you, would you say, is it is the fact that we talked about the Dodgers and the Braves, Astros losing to the Rangers, Phillies losing to the Diamondbacks. So where do you think the biggest disappointment is of some of the teams we just mentioned? There's definitely a few. I'm going to start out with the beginning of the playoffs. Tampa Bay Rays. It's a team that got off to a historic start. I said they would lose in the ALDS beginning season. Everybody called me crazy when they start 13-0. Well, they lost before that. They lost in the wild card series. The Orioles, I think many people expected that to happen, where they would just lose. You know, good season, 100 wins. You lose in the first round. 
for the Astros side of things to go up 3-2 and lose that series, that's disappointment. But the biggest disappointment for me is the Atlanta Braves. You'd say a case for the Phillies because Phillies, if you told me getting a season you're going to make the NLCS, I think they'd be okay with that. It's just the fact that they went up 3-2 and lost that series. At home. games at home in Philadelphia, which maybe is the most hostile environment you see the Philly fans' reactions point? after the game? Did you see, did you see with the it, interviews on the streets where the Philly fans were telling the, it, uh, the guy with the microphone? It's ridiculous. Philadelphia fans have been through too much between the Eagles losing the Super Bowl last year, Sixers going up 3-2 last year and losing, and now they're Philadelphia Phillies going up 3-2 and losing. But biggest yeah. disappointment for me, their rivals, Atlanta Braves, best hitting all season, best pitching all season, good managing by Brian Snicker, they lose. I saw a kid that's like 12 or 13 years old, younger than you, He's got a mouth filthier than me when it was asked about the Phillies. So um, Don't blame said, him. Said things I can't repeat on this radio show. I, I wish I could, but I can't. So, yeah, a lot of Philly fans upset, um, you, as you might imagine. Astro fans, listen, listen, at least the Astros won the World Series last year. So they have that for them, right? But the Phillies, I mean, you thought about it. I really expected Phillies uh, and Rangers, but I'm looking forward to Rangers and Diamondbacks. It's fresh. It's different. Texas has never won a World Series. Um, Arizona has only been in one, and that was 22 years ago. I was at Game 1 of that World Series in 2001. It's so, Yankees? Yes, I was there. I was at, Then it was called Bank One Ballpark. Now it's Chase Field, but I was there uh, watching that game with my dad. And uh, exciting for me. I was, the, I was the only World Series game I've ever been to with him. So we took that whole thing in right after 9-11. And uh, you, as you might imagine, that was a pretty big deal. Now, would you be worried that the Diamondbacks are opening up their World Series window too early? Because if you don't win this, then you think you're still a great team, but there's still a lot of holes in that team. For example, since the Bengals two seasons ago make the Super Bowl, lose super close, that wasn't necessarily a Super Bowl-winning team. It just was in that playoffs, that scenario. They thought they were perfect. They thought they were golden. Now look at them. I don't think either of these two teams are going to be regulars in the World Series the over the can. next few years. I don't know. Yes, that. they can. I don't know. Okay, let's look at paper. Corey Seager, one of the best hitters in baseball. Marcus Simeon, one of the best hitters in baseball. Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher in baseball when healthy. Max Scherzer, top 10 pitcher in baseball. Dave Valdi, top 20 pitcher in baseball. Adolis Garcia, maybe one of the best power hitters in baseball. On paper, this is an elite team. Bruce Bokey, amazing manager. All right, listen. I like Bochi. Bochi was great with the Giants. I, I'll, I'll say that. He's a, he is a great manager. I'm with you on that one. Max Scherzer is a shell of the pitcher he once was. A shell. No doubt. But he's still top 10. He no, he's not. Yes, he is. Top 10? Give me nine pitchers better than Max Scherzer. In the American League or in baseball? In baseball. All right. I will, I will give you 10. I'll give you, I'll give you 10 pitchers better. Or nine. I'll, give you, I'll give you 30 pitchers better than Max Scherzer. We'll, we'll give you the list. But now, first, before I get to that, i got to get to Sports Center. Okay. All right. Adrian standing by with Lace. By the way, Adrian's going to be picking against you this week. Adrian versus Lane for NFL picks. And he's excited about that because Adrian's been, been waiting since last season to get another <laughs> shot at you. Did, you. did you beat him last season? I don't know. I think maybe Lane beat me. But, hey, great stuff last week, Lane. I loved the podcast with you and Lane, uh, Zay excuse me, hosting the show. Uh, I thought it was excellent. So it's great to see you again. And uh, it's going to be awesome picking games against you this week. Yeah, it was great. It's so great to be back this week. Hopefully, take another win. Man, I should have brought Lou Romano back this week because poor Lou didn't even get to finish the games because he completely went away from picking games. You guys picked like three games. By the way, Lou did get one right, big one. He picked the Patriots. <laughs> he did. And that he one came me about that right after. And that one, I'm sure he did. And that one came true. So I, I, I did. I saw that victory. I was like, oh, 
Lou mentioned that. So yeah, trust me, I will get Lou into the studio because I've got a lot to say to him after his big mouth wouldn't stop talking last week uh, during the show with you. So I will get Lou and I will be more than happy to put Lou Romano in his place for you. All right, I'll, I'll do that for you. I promise. Nah. All right. In the meantime, let's get right back to Adrian. He's standing by with this Sports Center update. Scherzer is a top 10 pitcher in baseball. Let's go through the list and talk about all the pitchers better than Max Scherzer. Are you ready? Garrett Cole, one. Better. You think uh, Scherzer's better than Garrett Cole? No, Garrett okay. Cole's better. I was going to say thank you. Uh, Spencer Strider, two. I'm taking Scherzer over Spencer Strider. Oh, stop it. You can't do that. You're saying Spencer Strider is the second best pitcher in baseball? Yeah, he's better. Well, he's better. I think Spencer Strider is better than than, than Max Scherzer. This That's is nonsense. Not, this is not 2013. This is 2023. That's still nonsense. All right, let's keep moving. Um, I'll. Would you take Zach Gallen over uh, Max Scherzer? Yeah. Okay. What about um, Blake Snell of San Diego? No. I would. Uh, Corbin Burns of Milwaukee. No. Zach Wheeler of Philadelphia. Yeah. Framber Valdez of no. Houston. Oh. No. It. Look what Framber did in the playoffs. Framber Valdez has been one of the steadiest pitchers in the game. Last, see what he did last. He won the, the last World time of years. Scherzer's been year. the most consistent pitcher in baseball the last twenty years. Kevin Gossman of Toronto. No. Okay. Pablo Lopez of Minnesota. Definitely not. Luis Castillo of Seattle. Yes. Logan Webb of the Giants. No. Um, did I mention already? Um, Jacob Degrom. Yes. Stop. Jacob Job is hurt. We Justin don't, Verlander. We don't know what he's going to be like. Justin Verlander, yes. Aaron Nola, Philadelphia. No. You're crazy. You're crazy. Um, let me think who else I put on that list. I mean, I'll tell you right now, just looking at the kind of season he had, I like Jordan Montgomery this year, what he was able to do in uh, in Texas. No, I think Montgomery deserves to be game one starter. I think Montgomery deserves that. Over Scherzer. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, what about Sonny Gray? No. Okay. Chris Bassett? No. George Kirby? No. He's too young. You say Justin Steele? No, I didn't say Justin Steele. Justin Steele, no. Justin Steele's probably one of the most overrated pitchers in baseball. Really? Yeah. Overrated? Overrated. How can you be overrated when you're a cub? Just can't be. No, you can't. This guy was in Scion conversations when he shouldn't have been. Okay. Well, listen. Kyle Bradish? Kyle Kyle Bradish, former Aggie. You've, you have watched Max Scherzer pitch this year, right? I have. He's batting, have you watched Max Scherzer pitch? I have. He's batting practice. How many years? It's no, not, no, no. This is, this is not. Hang on. Okay, this okay. is not a career retrospect on no, Max no. Scherzer. I know This that. is Max Scherzer in 2023. With the Mets or with the Rangers? Pick, now he's he been, picked, he picked he's terrible. Been, he's been bad with both teams. He's been hurt with the Rangers. He was awful with the Mets. The point is, what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you gave me, if I wanted to take Max Scherzer in his prime, I'd take him over just about everybody on that list. But Max Scherzer is, he's, he's done. So now, if you're, lo- if you're lucky to get four innings out of him, that's good. Look what they did in Game 7. They yanked him right out of the gate because they, they, were, they didn't want to deal with Houston coming back. That's why they brought Montgomery in. He's not the same thing he used to be, but calling him batting practice? That's yep. disrespectful to a legend. Not when you not when, not when you can't throw any like okay listen I hope he comes back in 2024 I'm afraid if I'm pitching Max Scherzer in this World Series and and you're relying on Max to win a big game that's all I'm telling you so for now so we'll see but you're right Max Scherzer next year with Jake Degrom and the rest of that rotation could be fun to watch that being said who wins this World Series Rangers my in, in how many playoff prediction in how many games five games five five if it was Philly seven Diamondbacks too young too inexperienced. 
Don't we want them to win in six so they can clinch at their home ballpark and celebrate with their fans? Who cares? That's all I'm going to say. It's in Texas. Texas versus Arizona. If you're a true diehard fan, you can't drive from Dallas to Phoenix. Adrian, who cares? Lane's on fire today. I'm he ready. Is. He yes, is. this is great. I could tell that Romano has rubbed off on him. Amazing, isn't it? Romano comes in last week, and now he's throwing a "Who cares?" at me just now. When I, it sounds like I'm like I'm talking to a young Lou. Moral, so, uh, moral. Uh, you know, World Series championships it doesn't matter. You like Italian food? I do. Okay, good. Yeah, you and Lou need to spend more time with each other. That's for <laughs> sure. Um, all right, listen. We're going to come back. We're going to get to picks. You and Adrian are going to go one-on-one this week. I'm excited about that. Hang on. Do some, uh, here's, your, here's your games this week Here we go. for you to look at. So we'll, not have and we will, and we, we will start with the Thursday night game when we return. So get ready, folks. Uh, it's going to be Lane versus Adrian. I am excited about this matchup, and it's coming up next right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Of Schoolyard Sports, episode 142 is dropping tonight to, or tomorrow. Tonight. Because you told Out me, right that, now. I thought you told me that now they start dropping on Fridays. What do you got going on? Now it drops on Thursdays again because tennis season is over. I'm so confused. By the way, was it a good tennis season for you? It was a good tennis season. Good. Lost to South Lake Carroll in the area. No. Did you They're play good. well? I lost my match against South Lake Carroll. Did you throw a racket? No. Okay, that's good. So you kept your composure. I kept my composure. I'm happy for you. Um, are you ready to start picking games against Adrian? Adrian Broadus has been good, man. I'm ready. He is so you know he is so ready for this. Let's just get this thing started. Ready All right. This. Listen to the music. We've got the music ready to go. We're fired up. Tonight, Bucks and Bills. Bucks are 3 and 3, 2 and 0 oh on the road. Bills are 4 and 3, 3 and 1 at home. It's at Orchard Park, Highmark Stadium. Buffalo 9 and a half point favorites lane at home. Give me the upset pick. Let's go with the Buccaneers. Pencil in, Steve. I love this pick right here. Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield, hungry for a win. Bills need to be humbled again after losing last week to the Patriots. They fall 5 and 3. Buccaneers 4 and 3. Let's go. Underwhelming season so far for the Bills. I just can't pick against them at home. Thursday night football. Josh Allen needs a big victory. They're three and one at home. Make it four and one after tonight. I love it. We go to the Sunday games. These are all eleven o'clock games. Let's just jump right to it. Jets and Giants from MetLife and East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, Giants are two and five. They're one and two at home. They are the home team for this one. Jets are three and three. One and one on the road. Jets three point favorites. Adrian. I got the Jets on the road in this one. I just think it's it's kind of the season for uh, from hell for the Giants. Give me the Jets on the road. Defense does enough to win this. All right. Now, Giants' season is not from hell because they still have two wins. Not the worst team in the NFL. I know you expect me to pick the Giants right here because it's my favorite team. They're coming off a win against one of the worst teams of football, Washington Commanders. No, we're going to go with the Jets off a of bye week. Jets are pretty banged up going into that bye week. They're getting healthy now. Rolling with the hot hand, Jets over Giants. Oh, my God. You're picking against your team with my Jets. Ugh. I feel like, uh, yeah, something. You know why I'm doing that, so the Giants will win now. I know. You're, you're thinking the opposite picks. I, I know exactly I know exactly what you're doing. By the way, I just uh, on Monday picked up my uh, Aaron Rodgers jersey. Oh, that's great. Would you like me to start wearing that now? You know, should I be sporting that? Maybe I'll take a Change picture. the number from eight to four because that's how many snaps he played. Oh, that's, you're terrible. Or did he All even right. play four? He played four. Stop it. All right, next up, Rams and Cowboys. Rams are three and four. Four, uh, two and one on the road. Cowboys are four and two, two and zero oh at home. At AT and T in Arlington, Cowboys six point favorites. This is a game where you learn a lot about these two teams right here. I'm gonna go with the Cowboys though over the Rams. Rams really thought they should have won last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They didn't. Sean McVay looks like he's losing some of that mojo they have from last season. Now he just had a kid. Obviously, some distractions for him. Cowboys over the Rams.
I got the kid, uh, and uh, I got the Rams on the road in this one. They never beat the Cowboys at AT AT&T, so I kind of feel like history has to finally swing back the Rams' favor. Puka Nakua, one of the most fun receivers you're going to see in all of football, one of the best rookies that you're going to see in the NFL right now. I think offensively it could be a shootout on both sides, not impressed by the Rams' defense right now, but maybe offensively they can hang in this one and squeeze it out in the end. Give me L.A. on the road. All right, so two out of three, you guys are differing. I like it. Vikings. Packers will be uh, coming up next. The Pack Attack, two and four, one and one at home. The Vikings are three and four, two and one on the road. Coming off that big win uh, Monday night against the 49ers, it's at Lambeau. And Adrian, Minnesota, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Wrong team favored. Remember, Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. They are still playing uh, without Justin Jefferson right now. Defensively, I think the Vikings have figured some things out, but I think they might be riding a little too high after their victory against the 49ers. Give me the Packers. All right, Lane. I really wish the Packers would have been much better this season. Doesn't seem to be the case. Vikings, great win last week on Monday Night Football. Kirk Cousins, one of his only primetime wins of his career. People like to say the running game for Minnesota has been so bad. 90 carries, 359 yards for Alexander Madison. 96 carries, 370 for Tony Pollard. You think there's a massive difference there? There really isn't. I'm going to go with the Vikings over the Packers. Okay. Now, game number five. Falcons and Titans out there in Nashville in Nissan Stadium. Tennessee is 2-4, and 2-1 and one at home. Falcons are 4-3, and 1-2 and two on the road. Lane, Atlanta, two-and-a-half-point favorites uh, as uh, road favorites this week. Atlanta, a sneaky four-and-three, but I'm going to go with the Titans in this one. At home, Will Levis, first career start, potentially Derrick Henry's last game ever as a Tennessee Titan. Falcons, really weird running back situation they've got going on right now. What happened with B. John Robinson last week? What happened with Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson? How are they figuring that all out? Let's go to Titans at home. Will Levis, era, getting started. Falcons seem to do enough to win these games. I am not impressed whatsoever by Desmond Ritter, uh, and I think he's the one who holds them back. I mean, uh, two weeks ago, it was the three turnovers last week. Almost cost them the game against Tampa Bay, but Arthur Smith has to prove something to his former head coach and Mike Vrabel. Give me the Falcons on the road. They're more of a complete team right now than the Titans. Tennessee trending down. Not impressed with them at all. Could it be Ryan Tannehill's last game? Could that have been last week? And the Will Levis era uh, starting this week. Maybe we'll see that one happen this week. Keep it going. Saints and Colts. Both teams are three and four. Saints are two and two on the road. Colts are one and three at home. It's at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Adrian, even money, which means straight up, take your pick. And I'll take the Colts. I think they're actually a good football team. Every game they they play really competitively. Uh, Pittman Jr. as a wideout seems to be emerging among their core. Uh, whether it's Zach Moss, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, whether it's Gardner Minshew or uh, you know Anthony Richardson, I just think they're a good football team. Give me the Colts at home. Saints desperately need a win. I think they're a playoff team. They play like a playoff team. Had a really good second half last week after a poor first half. Michael Thomas played one of his best games in years. Ava Camaro started clicking with Derek Carr. Derek Carr missed a few throws in that game. He's not going to miss some in this one. Saints over the Colts. Okay. Two are really, this is a great week for picking, by this the way. This is. Yeah, well, there's no it. bye weeks. This is all, there's not, not just that. The fact you guys are disagreeing on almost every game except for the Jets-Giants so far. Let's keep it going. I hope you guys do that the rest of the way out. Pats and Dolphins next. This one worries me as far as your picks go because I have a feeling I know where you both are going. Dolphins are 5-2. and two. They're perfect at home, 3-0. and oh. Pats are 2-5, and 1-2 and two on the road. It's in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. And, yes, the Dolphins are, in fact, laying 9.5-point favorites. 
I really don't want to do it, but I think I'm going to do it. New England Patriots penciling that upset. Matt Jones played pretty well last week. Malik Cunningham just got signed their practice squad. Say Matt Jones doesn't play well, but that guy in there. Receivers did well. Jabril Peppers played well. My Michigan guy. I'm going to go with the upset. Tyreek Hill looks like he's not going to play in this one. What's Tua going to do? Is he going to pick? Not really a home crowd in Miami. Let's go with the Patriots. Proved a 3-5. and five. Disappointing loss at on Sunday night football for the Dolphins. They need the get-right game. They need the confidence booster on their side. Give me the Dolphins at home. This is a big one for them. Tua has something to prove against uh, Bill Belichick, and he has to do it in this game. Give me Dolphins at home. Beautiful. Keeping the trend alive. I love it. All right, we have another three 11 o'clock games to get to. Jags and Steelers from Pittsburgh's Acrisure Stadium. Jags are 5-2, and 3-0 and oh on the road. Steelers are 4-2, and 2-1 two, two and one at home. Adrian Jacksonville, 2.5-point road favorites. The Steelers are the most uh, confusing team right now. Kenny Pickett might be the 2023 version of Eli Manning. Just does enough in order to win games and wins it when the game is on the line and, and you know, is really clutch when it's all said and done. Give me the Steelers at home. I think everybody's going to be talking about them next week. Uh, and give me the Titans next Thursday against the Steelers when everybody gets excited about Pittsburgh. Lane. I agree with you with the Eli Manning statement right there. And also for the Steelers, they just find a way to win games. In their past 53 games, they have not had 400 yards. They're 32, 21, and 1 in that span. That's pretty ridiculous right there to not have that great passing game. If they had a great offense, then this is a different story. Say they have that offense in 2017. It's one of the best teams in the NFL, but they don't. Jaguars beat the Steelers. Mm, Okay, nice. We'll do one more, and then we'll come back from the break. Eagles and Commanders. Two teams you know very well, Lane, as a Giants fan. Eagles are six and one, flying high, three and one on the road. Commanders are three and four, one and two at home. From FedEx Field in Landover, Philadelphia, seven point road favorites. I think the Eagles grew up a lot last week. I think we found out a lot of things about this team last week. DeAndre Swift is their primary running back. We found out AJ Brown is arguably the best receiver in the NFL this season, and that showed on Sunday night. Eagles, Jalen Hurts, best offense, best defense, maybe in football. Very disciplined. No penalties on Sunday night football. Let's go with the Eagles over one of the worst teams in the NFL, Washington Commanders. Sam Howell's getting worse week after week. Very disappointed with the Commanders. Uh, Watch this one out. Watch and flag Monday for possibly uh, Ron Rivera to get fired from Washington. Give me the Eagles in a big victory. All right. We got seven to go. We'll come back and do it over our final segment as we get you ready for that Thursday night football game. Stay with us. Lane Frank, the host of the Schoolyard Sports Podcast, and Adrian Broaddus going one-on-one this week as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, we're back here on Sports Talk. We're getting ready for that Thursday night football game with the Bucks and Bills. Just a reminder, tomorrow, 10 a.m., dining deals, must-read bar, 600 ESPN El Paso. $50 to Paco Wong's Chinese restaurant for just $25. It goes on sale at 10 a.m. Take advantage, folks, some of the best Chinese food in El Paso from our friends at Paco Wong's here on the west side on North Mesa. Lane Frank back with us, going one-on-one with Adrian. Here we go, back to the 11 o'clock games. Texans and Panthers. Will Carolina get their first win of the season? 
or will the Texans improve to four and three? It's in Charlotte and Houston. Three-point favorites, Adrian, as we begin our final picks. C.J. Stroud playing like the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year, possibly love what he's doing with the Texans. Could they be a legit playoff team? That's a big question. Uh, maybe they get right and get over 500 this week, and I think it happens. Give me the Texans against the Panthers. All right, Lane, your turn. C.J. Stroud's playing like an NFL star, not just NFL Rookie of the Year, which that's kind of confirmed at this point, it seems like. He's playing like a star. Not so something Bryce Young has not come close to doing. He's not come close to looking like the offensive rookie of the year. This Texans team is tough. Seems like the 49ers are missing something from last year. That could be D'Amico Ryan's now head coach of the Houston Texans. He's been great for them. Texans improved to 4-3. and three. All right. Browns and Seahawks is next. We'll stay with you, Lane. Cleveland 4-2. and two, Seattle 4-2. and two. Uh, Both teams have uh, been off to uh, you know b- better starts, I think, record-wise than maybe what we actually have seen. Seattle at home, they're four-point favorites. P.J. Walker will give it a go in this one for the Cleveland Browns, but I'm going to go with the Seahawks this one. Geno Smith, really, really solid so far this season. Kenneth Walker coming off injury. He's been good so far. I'm going to go with the Seahawks over the Browns. This is a game in which I feel like it's a reflection. Uh, the winner will really reflect the record and how good the team actually is. I can't see the Browns going 5-2 and two on the season to start off, especially without uh, Deshaun Watson. Give me the Seahawks at home. All right. Chiefs and Broncos are next in AFC West showdown. Chiefs are perfect 3-0 and on the road, 6-1. and uh, Taylor Swift is loving that jersey she's seen in every week. Broncos are two and five, one and three uh, in Denver. It's uh, and in Power Field. And Adrian, KC, seven-point road favorites. Yeah, I still feel like Kansas City's bored on the year. They're the best football team right now. They have to find ways to win, and it's just mostly motivation. Motivation to win these games. Give me Kansas City still on the road. Can't see Denver winning this one. Mm -hmm. I like that, bored on the season. Kind of like Michigan Wolverines. Bored in the season, blowing out every team. But Chiefs do get a win over the Broncos. This shouldn't be even a debate. This team absolutely destroyed the Broncos two weeks ago on Thursday Night Football. Something to watch for in this one. Patrick Mahomes' interceptions, six on the season. Some uncharacteristic uncharacteristic of them we've seen so far in the NFL. Chiefs over the Broncos. Okay, another layup for you. Ravens visiting the Cardinals. Baltimore's five and two, playing terrific football. Three and one on the road. Cards are one and six, one and two at home. It's at State Farm Stadium in Glendale Lane. Baltimore nine and a half point road favorites. Baltimore looked unstoppable last week. We're gonna go with that again. Something to watch for in this one. John Harbaugh, Mike Mc- and Mike McDonald. Ties to Michigan. Kind of interesting right there. Mike McDonald was the Michigan defense coordinator in 2021. Say something bad happens with Michigan. Could Mike McDonald be involved in that? And then John Harbaugh, brother of Jim Harbaugh. But let's go with the Ravens in this one. This is the year for the Ravens. I love Lamar Jackson. Love the way he's playing. He is playing like an MVP candidate right now. Uh, give me Baltimore. I know it could be a trap game for them in this one, but I'm I'm not uh, looking at that one right there. Give me Baltimore here. You, on the road. you two have picked the last uh, five in a row, so let's see if it's six in a row. Bengals and the 49ers from Santa Clara and Levi Stadium. 49ers are four and five and two, but they're really they've lost their last two, even though they're three and zero at home. Bengals are three and three. Adrian one and two on the road. San Fran three and a half point favorites in this two twenty five clash. I don't like how San Francisco's looked over the past two weeks. Give me Cincinnati in this one. I think after this week, San Francisco will be just fine. But I like the Bengals off a bye. Jamar Chase uh, catching his stride. Give me the Bengals on the road in this game. Bengals 49ers, really good game right here. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, this is crucial for them because they are a Super Bowl contender. They are a playoff team. But if you fall to 3-4 and four in the season, that doesn't really mean so much. 
San Francisco 49ers will start Sam Darnold in this one. Steve, you and I have a bet going still that Sam Darnold will have a better career than Kenny Pickett. That could begin right here yet again. No Brock Purdy. Sam Darnold does just fine. Getting the ball to Christian McCaffrey. They win. Okay. Thank you for picking the 49ers. Bears and Chargers is our Sunday night game. Does it have to be? Chicago's two and five, one and two on the road. The Chargers are two and four, one and two at home. I guess the good news is somebody has to win this game at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. Lane, the Chargers are eight and a half point favorites. Tyson Badgett starting for the Bears in this one. If you told me last week he was getting destroyed, Las Vegas Raiders, I would have called you crazy. But let's go with the Chargers in this one over the Bears. They desperately need a win. They're a playoff team. They just don't have the wins for it. Let's go, Chargers. Chargers and head coach Brandon Staley will part ways Monday because the Bears are going to embarrass the Chargers on Sunday night football. It's a mess in L.A., and the Chargers are a mess right now. Justin Herbert needs a change of scenery for his head coach. It's not going to be Brandon Staley, who should have been fired two years ago. Not a fan whatsoever. They lose this weekend. Monday night football, Raiders visiting Detroit and the Lions. The Vegas Raiders are 3-4, and 1-3 and three on the road. The Lions are 5-2, and 2-1 two, two and one at home. It's at Ford Field in Detroit. Lions, eight-point road uh, home favorites, Adrian, in this one. Defensively, uh, the Lions took a step back last week. They get right this week against a you know uh, a team in the Raiders that are searching for an identity, identity offensively. Aiden Hutchinson, no sign stealing here. Four and a half sacks for him, the former uh, Michigan product. Give me the Lions at home. I'm going to go out copy you a little bit. Lions will win this game right here, and Josh McDaniels will be fired by Sunday or Monday, maybe even Sunday night. For this Las Vegas Raiders squad, they're really bad. Josh McDaniels has had some embarrassing moments in his career. Losing last year at Baker Mayfield, who didn't even know the playbook. Losing to Jeff Saturday, who didn't even have a playbook. And then losing to Tyson Badgett last week, a D2 quarterback. They get slaughtered on the road right here against the Detroit Lions. Congratulations, you two. You picked against each other nine times this Whew, week. That's a record. That is a new record. I can't wait to see who comes out on top. And nice. If either of you have good weeks, we'll see. Uh, 142 is dropped, so uh, you get a chance if you want to check out Schoolyard Sports. You cover the World Series. You've got some basketball, some hoops with the NBA starting up, NFL, college football. Busy, busy week for Schoolyard Sports. Go tune in. Schoolyard Sports on all podcast platforms. Episode 142, talking baseball, basketball, and football. Go watch. Uh, we'd like to thank you for hosting for us last week. We appreciate you, you. Appreciate Zay. You get a chance to do it again soon, we hope. And uh, again, thanks for coming back and joining us this week. Of course, it's a great time. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Adrian. You're welcome. He's Lane Frank, folks, as we continue. Thursday Night Football's next. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4. Let's go to Charlie and get one last traffic update.